0: Success Movie Rewind. We're looking at movies through a personal development lens, seeing what we can learn. Here's your host, Alex Stevens. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Success Movie Rewind. I'm your host, Alex Stevens. This week, we are watching King Richard, uh, this year's Oscar winner for Will Smith, Best Actor. You may have heard a little something about that. Uh, Mr. Smith not only got headlines for his fantastic performance as Richard Williams, the father of uh, tennis prodigies uh, who went on to be worldwide superstars, Serena and Vil- Venus Williams, but of course there was the, the little scrap with Chris Rock involving Jada Pinkett Smith, Will's wife. Uh, and their unconventional relationship. And I'll admit, folks, I thought about going into this in detail on the podcast, maybe breaking down what this role has to say about Will Smith. I even bought his book or the book that uh, I think Mark Manson, many of you probably know him from The the Subtle Art of Not Giving an F, uh, wrote with Will Smith. Uh, I'm going to read that. We're going to watch more Will Smith movies, obviously. Uh, For those of you who are new to the podcast, of course, we watch movies through a personal development lens. We watch blockbusters. We watch modern classics and soon-to-be classics like King Richard. And so, of course, we're going to be talking about Will Smith. It's almost a A dereliction of duty. I apologize to to all of you for not being uh, as up on Will Smith lore as I should be. But I will say I'm above average, I I think. And I'm judging that mostly by... Uh, the level of detail that I've gotten into in regular conversations with people I know in the post-slap era. Uh, but that's taught me, you know, you got to be judicious about this stuff. And so when I was getting ready for this podcast, I, I was doing a little research and I was, I was reading some stories from, you know, some of you may remember when Will and Jada first went on Jada's Facebook show, The, the Red Table. Uh, or Red Table Talk maybe, to discuss their relationship because there were stories in the press about uh, Jada's relationship with the young up-and-coming R&B singer August Alsina, Aug, uh, as they called him in that Red Table episode. And I found a New York Post article where uh, in the aftermath of of that publicity blitz and press coverage, someone asked August for his take on the situation, and he said something to the effect of, you know, this is what I have to say to anybody who's looking to pick apart other people's personal lives for their entertainment. I've got a suggestion for for you for the next time you want some entertainment. Here's what you need. You need to pick up the Holy Bible. Uh, which I thought, I, I will admit, I, I was stunned. I didn't see that coming from Mr. Alcino. But that's the success movie rewind take as well. We're not going to get into that right now. We're going to talk about Will. We might even talk about Will and Jada a little more. But if you wanted those kind of prurient details, I would just say, you know, check our American Pie episode. If you think we can't, you know, skate on that kind of ice, We're not here for that. This is a family-friendly podcast, a big tent. Production. So, the other thing we do every week, of course, is we pick uh, three big talking points, three success movie mementos, and we usually accompany these with clips of the movie to get our discussion started. So, with that said, let's break into King Richard. Let's get it popping. Let's talk about our first success movie memento. So, to set the stage for this one, you know, the movie like I said, I believe uh, if I didn't, uh, the movie is set in the 1990s for most of it. Um, And in the beginning of the movie, the Williams family is a family of tennis prodigies. They're good at tennis, but they live in Compton, California. And they're they don't have a lot of financial resources. Their mother works as a nurse during the day. Uh, King Richard, uh, their father Richard, works as their coach and kind of like I guess I can't tell if they're homeschooled or not, but I think so. Uh, but certainly like a scholastic supervisor, he's very rigid about them making good grades. Uh, and then he works as a security guard at night. And so what, uh, Richard's edge is, I think, is that he's definitely like a classic visionary entrepreneur, maybe even to the and the movie does address this of, uh, you know, being a little too businesslike with his family. He's, he's serious about tennis. He thinks he has a lot of stuff figured out. And, uh, Basically, he thinks there's a there's a market opening for elite athletes in the youth tennis sphere, and he thinks you know he, he and his wife he mentions were athletes or are athletes uh, in one way, but they're older, uh, and so their their real edge is applying their experience and knowledge to coaching their children, and uh, by learning from the best, they think that they'll be able to help their children succeed against the odds in the world of competitive tennis. So let's listen to King Richard kind of describing himself, um, and then we'll hear him interact with one of, one of his early interactions in the country club world, and we'll come back and talk about our first success movie,
1: Memento. Where I grew up, Louisiana, City Grove, tennis was not a game people's played. We was too busy running from the clan. But here it is, when I'm interested in a thing, I learn it, how it works, how the best people in the world do it. And that's what I did with tennis, with the girls.
0: Okay, so you can already tell Richard is kind of his own guy. He's very confident. Uh, he believes in his his autodidacticism. Um, we learn later in the movie that he is kind of a serial entrepreneur. But he really lives our first success movie memento this week, which is to bet on yourself first, okay? Bet on yourself first and bet on what you love first, bet on your loved ones, because you know what you know, you have your vision, and no one's going to care about it as much as you do. I like, uh, you know, obviously a, a huge intellectual influence on this podcast You would think, you know, we're talking about youth tennis, I might talk about David Foster Wallace again, but I really think my primary mentor these days and how I view the world, like many people, is in many, for many aspects, of course, Gary Vaynerchuk, Gary V. And he often makes the point, you know, when entrepreneurs are like, how do I get my employees or my, my partners or my vendors or whoever, you know, they frustrate me They They don't get the vision. Uh, and Gary has really made a cottage industry of berating these people and reminding them that other people don't care about your vision as much as you do. And they shouldn't. And if your vision requires everyone to be as invested as you're in your business as you are, it will fail because they won't be because you are the founder of your, business. And that's a great point. But I also think you can make that into a strength, right? That is a fact. And it's, it can be kind of a depressing one when you confront that reality, but you can also say other people don't know what I know and other people don't understand. They just see me in the role that I am right now. Uh, They don't see my full potential. They don't see the full vision. They don't see, you know, in this case, my family's full potential And no one's gonna place that bet until you place it on yourself. And we see that in our next clip when we see Richard kind of making his early pitches. He has videos, highlight reels, you know, really the, you see it so much now on social media, but he was really a pioneer of this technique, it seems, uh, even to the point of putting the girls and himself through media training by videotaping them talking and critiquing that as if they were playing tennis, and so let's hear how it goes when Richard uh, unveils the tape early on to a potential tennis coach who could help the girls get to the next level
2: uh, this this deal you're asking for you know all of this for for free, Richard nobody's taking that bet now, tennis is a is a technical game, you know probably one of the most and and if you didn't grow up with the game then yeah it's like playing the violin you know it takes hours and hours a day you know year after year of expensive expert instruction just just to hold the thing right yeah, and even then even for families with unlimited financial resources the the chances of achieving the kind of mastery and success that you're talking about i mean for one kid let alone two it's it's like asking somebody to believe that you got the next two Mozarts living in your house. You know? It's just it's just very, very unlikely. I'm sorry, that's just my two cents. You yeah. I uh, yeah. maybe you can prove me wrong. Okay. So I
0: like this clip because it really does illustrate the dilemma. And the other side of the positive, uh, emphasis on our success movie memento to bet on yourself first, because you know, I've worked in regular jobs and I've worked in contexts where I was trying to get a more personal vision off the ground. And I think this clip really drives home kind of the sense in the, in, in the ending moments of it, of just like, Hey, maybe you can prove me wrong. Like I, it's not that people want you to fail necessarily, uh, but they, it just doesn't make sense in their business model to make room for you, especially if you're asking them to take on a risk. And so uh, you've got to demonstrate that you believe in whatever you're selling, uh, including if, if your vision includes uh, the potential of people. Um, that you've placed bets on them. But this clip also brings home kind of the desperate moments of, uh, I think that drive many of us, of feeling like you don't have any other options. Yeah, the, the Williams family is not a family of unlimited financial resources. They've gotten their start early, but you don't get the sense that it was, you know, they've, they've been practicing with country club professional coaches all their lives or anything like that. And that is what their com- competition has been doing. Um, but when you love something, you see its highest potential. And if you really think you have the next Mozart of whatever it is, you know, the, the person in your care uh, is talented at, Think about what that means and think about what you owe that person in terms of believing in them and uh, making sure that they flourish to their highest potential. And so it, it really, you know, I think it, it can be uh, an exhortation or an affirmation. Hey, bet on yourself first today. And that's great. But also, I think in those down moments when no one's betting on you. Uh, I think you know. For me, it helps to to remember you've got to bet on yourself. You have a high potential, and that's why you're pursuing those things. And you've got to double down on yourself sometimes. And that doesn't mean you continue to take stupid risks, and it doesn't mean you adjust your you never adjust your plan. But uh, there's a vision in your heart and a drive in your heart to do something different. That's why you're interested in personal development and self improvement. And, you know, if if you don't pursue that, it's almost as if you're betting against it or you're betting on it being a passing whim or a passing fancy. And I think most of us have done that. There's no shame in that. But when it keeps coming back, you're losing that bet. You're wrong. Uh, You've misread the odds. It turns out you feel more strongly about that thing than you thought. And so, again, uh, it's an exercise in self-love. It's an exercise in self-examination, and it's an exercise in faith. Um, but until you take that leap, uh, it, it's hard to, to start walking down the path that you're meant to walk on. And so, again, bet on yourself first. Uh, that's our first takeaway, our first success movie memento from King Richard. We're going to take a break, and then we'll come back. Uh, we'll hear a little more from King Richard, and we'll talk about... Uh, What happens after you bet on yourself first? What happens when you start walking down that path? How do you make sure that you're staying balanced and staying true to your vision? Okay, for our next uh, success movie memento, I wanted to start with the clip this time. Uh, But to set a little context, so obviously that that first coach that Richard visited did not work out. But of course, they do eventually get a coach and they they get a series of excellent coaches. And the coaches are great. And I don't know much about tennis. I don't really know how sanitized this picture is. I know the Williams family, I think I know, I think, sorry, TC, sorry. I think that the Williams family was involved in the production. Um, And the movie does touch on the fact that this is a very high pressure endeavor for everyone involved. But there's also great just, you know, we love montages on Success Movie Rewind. We love people getting better, learning new things. Just just seeing people master things just gets me so excited. And so there's, there's great training sequences here. Uh, but of course, Richard, like we said, he's a headstrong guy. He does bet on himself. And there's a little bit of insecurity here as he starts to see that other people may have different ways of going about things than he does. So let's take a listen to this, uh, this exchange between Richard and one of the, the girls' coaches. And we'll come back and talk about what we can take away from this.
1: You just got a little closed up that time. You're doing real good. You just got to keep that stance open. You plant that right foot. What are you doing, Richard? That's how you get a little closed up. Richard, what are you doing? I'm talking to my daughter. Is something wrong with that? No, nothing wrong with that.
0: Except you want me to fix her stance, and I can't do that if you keep telling her to hit open.
1: Well, Paul, ain't no reason to fix something that's not broke, okay? You've been hollering at the girl all day long to get back to the middle. Get back to the middle. That's all I hear you saying. Yet you instructed her to close her stance. That's right. How's she supposed to get back to the middle with her stance all closed up? Okay, if she stay open, she can plant that foot, mo power, mo speed. No, That's how she gets That back is not to the how middle. you
0: get power. You want power in your stroke, you
1: square your shoulders, you close your stance, hold your head right at contact and blast through it. You do not hit open stance. Okay? Yep. Can we please get back to it? But just keep your mind open, Paul, you know, just in case you're not the smartest Richard, person be in the really whole world. Richard, it would be really helpful
0: if we could actually hit a few, because okay, i got yeah, about you can 18 hit minutes left, and I'd like to finish this practice.
1: It just don't make no sense what you're saying, Paul. If she keep her stairs closed, feet are jumbled out, Richard not Richard, get back. I'll get my lesson from you when we're done, okay? But right now, I'd like to focus on Okay, yeah, on I keep forgetting. You know everything. 17 minutes but now. I keep forgetting that.
0: Okay, so I love this clip because it, it's just such a a rich interplay. It's, it's a great, you know, just the timing and the rhythm of the scene is great. Uh, the interplay between the two fellas is great. But the dialogue is also fantastic in illustrating so many levels of Richard's journey in this film. Uh, because... He really needs, and we all do, uh, but one of the things that he needs to learn in this film is our second success movie, Memento, which is that you've got to be open to the open stance. Uh, Be open to the open stance. And this dialogue really gets at it because, um, you know, first of all, I love, and the movie uses this throughout the movie, but there's this emphasis in tennis on like, you hit and you get back and recover and you hit and you get back and recover. And there's like a rhythm, but it's always like attack and then retreat, get it and defend. And, you know, it's just the back and forth. And so it makes sense what the coach is saying you know, when it's time to hit, close up, and get your power. And that's, of course, also what Richard is doing. When it's time for him to make contact as part of his tennis business plan, he does exactly what the coach is saying. He closes up, he puts his head down, and he just barrels through it. But he's got to learn to take in other people's perspectives. And he does this imperfectly, and at it, it, no point is King Richard uh, ever you know, uh, demoted to to less than regal status. He's a a hard negotiator and he has his own perspective throughout the movie. But uh, one thing that the movie does so well, I think in addressing the question of balance with unconditional love and tough love, when a parent is also a teacher or a coach or somebody who may need to point out areas for improvement for somebody that they're also supposed to be loving unconditionally. And and that's really where Richard has to learn to open his stance. Uh, He has such a unique vision. He takes the unprecedented move of taking these elite child prodigies and upsetting their coaches uh, by doing his own thing with regards to their play schedule and when and how and whether they'll play championships at all, uh, mostly in response to the overwhelming pressure that he sees other youth tennis players succumbing to. And it's really an an admirable step. But at some point, uh, his desire to protect his girls and his desire to raise them, you know, he says early in the film, he's in the champion raising business. Well, champions compete, and that's dangerous and you may lose. And so he needs to learn to f- to find that balance, and uh, you can't do it in a close stance necessarily. And part of that uh, means he needs to learn, from his daughters and from his family and from his wife, the people who share his vision and who support it, uh, but who love him and love their, their shared mission enough to tell him where his perspective is lacking, lacking or it needs to be updated. And in those moments, uh, the closed stance does you no favors. You, it, and that's the moment where, at least for me, that's when I'm most likely to get into that, that headstrong closed stance where information is coming at me that I don't like. Part of my plan did not include people telling me that I was making the kinds of mistakes that I'm making. And you know what? I think they're projecting on me. And I do exactly what King Richard does. Uh, the exact thing that he needs to hear, hey, you don't know everything, you may not know everything in the world, is what I say to other people, you know, or what King Richard says to the coach. I may say it to my, my interlocutor. But when I'm lucky, I have the opportunity to realize that and take a step back and Put aside whatever I think I need to say. Don't even adjudicate whether or not it's true. Just put it aside. I I like, as a lawyer, often we would try to bifurcate the proceedings or put them in sequence uh, by issues sometimes. Uh, You know, one issue may not matter if you can resolve another one early. Less fighting, less time spent on legal fees, blah, blah, blah. You can do that for yourself in the open stance you can put something aside and say maybe i need to raise all the points that are occurring to me right now about what these other people need to hear that could be true it could not be but just for one second let's put it aside and let's say even if all of that is true what can i hear right now from what someone else is telling me what can i learn from someone else's perspective and when you feel the most emotional about it, that's usually a sign that you need to hear it the most, that your stance needs to open up. So, you know, when you're getting back and forth, when you're, when you're like Venus and Serena on the court of life, trying to f- get back to the middle, you know, remember to open your stance. That's success movie memento number two. Okay, so for our next clip, I, I wanted to take a clip from later in the movie And continue our our theme and our discussion about the balance between being a protector and a defender and being somebody who who raises a a child or uh, in a mentorship situation or an employer-employee situation or any kind of dynamic where you're helping someone become the person that they're meant to be. You're giving them some sort of guidance or when you're going through that process yourself, and you're struggling with whether you can meet up to the, the standard you've, you've laid out for yourself. Um, and I've talked about this a lot on the podcast. I really like this book. Uh, I think it's just called Ambition by the philosopher Agnes Callard at the University of Chicago. And she makes the great point that any, any ambitious act is a, a, a courageous one and a foray into the unknown because you don't really know what you want to become exactly. Uh, you don't know what it'll take. You just know that you don't exactly have it yet and you want to become the kind of person who can do the kinds of things that you want to do. So if you're a champion, that means you want to become the kind of person that competes in championship tournaments and wins them. But that means you have to risk being the kind of person that, that loses them. Um, and I think for, for all of us, uh, certainly if you're a parent already, I mean, my daughter is only two And I know that tension of just, uh, you know, do I tell her to go, go ahead and go on the slide, even if she may take a tumble? uh, Or do I hold her every single time, you know, she sets foot on the playground? And it's a balance, you know, Uh, I I think especially as millennials, we don't know what to do. Uh, We know that helicopter parenting is bad, but we know that latchkey parenting is bad, you know, from the previous generations before us. Uh, We know not to give too many trophies, but we know that we have to be unconditionally loving. Uh, You know, and we'll do our best just like everybody else. Um, But that's my point. It's not always perfect and you're not always gonna win. And a lot of times that can put people on a, a lifelong mission Um, to prove that they're not a loser uh, or to prove that they're a person worthy of respect. And that's something that King Richard deals with in our first clip. He, he said uh, in passing that uh, he couldn't play tennis as a kid because he was too busy running from the clan. Um, But that's, that's not a joke. Um, And so that brings us to our next clip. And I, I just wanted to set the stage because I think often in the personal development space or and in the entrepreneurial space, um, a lot of people come to that space, myself included, because it's a, a search for balance. And uh, in I think ultimately all of these quests are, are love based, like they're either a search for love or a search to, you know, Express a a love that you have or even if it's it's not that direct uh, It is an act of love to create something that you think will improve the world Rather than just you know going along with the flow and trying to max out material rewards according to Whatever the conventional less risky path is. I mean, I I really do think an entrepreneur first and foremost to be successful It is a selfless act um, we often, you, you hear the the emphasis in, conversa- in the public conversation usually in the defensive sense when people say business owners should pay more taxes or something like that, there's often a rejoinder, well, we took on more risk and so we should have more reward. Fine, I, I don't want to get into that or get too political about that, but at the outset, it is a selfless act. You are taking on more risk than the normal person. Uh, because most of these endeavors fail. And often that, con- that, that is an unconventional path for a reason. And it's because those extreme people take the path for whatever reason. And that often comes from early life experiences that left people with a unique perspective, uh, for better or for worse. And that's really what Richard's journey is about. Um, So it brings us to this next clip as the girls are starting to tell him, hey, your plan needs updating. We are ready. We want to compete. And, you know, Richard, as we've seen, even in coaching sessions, he's a staunch defender. That's what Will said, by the way, after the slap. That was his main point of emphasis in his acceptance speech. And I think it's interesting to look at that as well. Um so let's listen to this next clip and I, it I will tell you we don't do a lot of trigger warnings here but as a father this one gets me every single time. I mean I may need to take a break myself uh, before we come back and close out the episode. But before we do, here's our third success movie memento, which is love shows up for the losses, okay? This is an important thing to remember and uh I think our last clip illustrates it very well in a unique way. So let's take a listen, and then we'll be right back.
1: When I was a little boy, I grew up in Shreveport. One day, my father took me to town. He gave me this money to pay this white man for something. Back in them days, black folks weren't allowed to touch white peoples. So I went to get a man this money, and I accidentally touched his hand. And he stopped beating on me. Knocked me down. His friends come over. They all start stomping on me and beating on me. And I look up and I see my father in the crowd. And he took off running. Left me there with these grown men beating on me. Now, I haven't been no great daddy. But I never done nothing but try to protect you. This next step you about to take. It, it would be hard for anybody. But for you, you're not gonna just be representing you. You're gonna be representing every little black girl on earth. And you're gonna be the one gotta go through that gate. And I just never wanted you to look up. See your daddy running away. Daddy, you always said I'd be number one in the world, right? Let's go out there and show all of those people that I can handle what's coming. And I'm not gonna let you down. How could you, Julia? It
0: really does get me every time. I've listened to it quite a few times getting ready for this episode. Oh, man, I mean, apologies, folks. Uh, I, I chose this clip. I mean, it's the go-to clip. It's the one they played at the Oscars, I think. It's such a moving performance. And it really drives home, to me, everything about why this character is so compelling. And what I find so admirable about Richard is really encapsulated in this speech, because I'm not saying all of us grew up taking beatings from groups of, you know, racists in Louisiana um, or with parents that that failed to defend us or, or show up like that. But that's why our third success movie memento this week is that love shows up for the losses. It, it doesn't necessarily prevent them. Uh, and that's what's so hard uh, as a parent when you, when you look out at the world. I mean, again, this is not a political podcast. But this morning when I'm recording, you know, the, the news of the mass shooting at the school in Uvalde, Texas is all over the place. It's down the road. I've, I've been there. Um, I'm a Texan obviously, and I don't know what to say about that. Uh, the, the only word, like literally the only word that comes to mind when I think about that is, uh, I've talked about the Brene Brown, her latest book lately, Atlas of the Heart. Um, and it, it's useful because it's like an emotional vocabulary book. And one of the terms that i found really useful is, is just overwhelm as a noun, like to describe an emotion where you don't have, it's just like a shutdown and you don't know what to say. And, and that is how I feel. I don't have any easy answers. Are no success movie mementos are, are gonna solve that problem or tell anybody how to live in the interim uh, in the kind of world where these things happen. But I think that's why Richard is, is such a powerful character and this is such a powerful movie. Because uh, he doesn't make any promises that the world doesn't have a, a beating in store for you. It does for all of us. Um, but that's, that's not what love promises. Um, but it, love bears witness to those things. And it's there with you. And it continues on after those things. Uh, and it helps you pick up the pieces and move on. And so that's why I just want to emphasize just whatever losses you're going through, I mean – Hopefully they're nothing as tragic as what we're seeing in the news, but we're all facing tragedy of some time, of some kind at one time or another, and even worse, our loved ones are, and we can try to prevent it as much as we can. uh, But another great tragedy is uh, being so protective that you become overbalanced in that regard and, uh, you know, fail to help somebody thrive. And I think in those cases, you know, whether it's looking back on your own life, where where loved ones maybe you felt like they could have shown up or differently or at all, or whether you've you've got regrets of your own, or whether you're looking out at an uncertain future and wondering if you're going to be enough. And for me, just a lifetime of evidence is clear that the answer, in a in the in a very real sense, is no. Me by myself, my limited perceptions and abilities is the only guarantee is that I will take loss after loss after loss. But I still count my life as a series of victories because I have people and projects and values that I love and hold dear in my life, uh, that are in my life currently, uh, and that have been in my life before. And I can think back to times when figuratively or, you know, literally, I am from New Jersey. Uh, I've gotten in scraps. I've taken losses uh, both by myself and with other people. And I think, you know, I hope none of us have to face down actually watching someone we love experience physical violence and feeling like all we can do is be there for them uh, when it's over. Uh, it's not a good situation. I have been in it. Actually, I don't mean to make light of it. Um, but that's what the world does to us ultimately. And that's where love comes in, uh, because none of us are enough, uh, alone. Um, but together we, we just might be, if we can figure out how we want to live and what we want to do while we're here together. And that's where love shows up when we fall down. Um, when, when you lose your match or your game or whatever the tennis term is. And that's what I really liked about this movie is obviously it ends on a note of triumph. The Williams sisters are trailblazers for women, for black people, uh, for tennis players. Um, you know, the <laughs> I think... I don't know, as a guy who goes on Reddit, I, I, to me, it's also a story of success for guys who make websites like Reddit, that they can have wives that are as awesome as a Williams sister. You know, obviously, uh, one of them is married to one of the founders of Reddit, which is, a, I'm sure, an interesting story in its own right that the film didn't get into. But, you know, that's what happens when, when you bet on yourself and when you bet on what you love. Uh, you can keep taking those losses because you know that you're working towards a, bi- a bigger picture. And part of showing what the, the world what you can do is showing that you know how to deal with uncertainty and you know how to deal with adversity when it comes. And so again, there, there really are no easy answers. There are no easy solutions. Um, and it's an emotional day, I think, for everybody as we're recording this. And I don't know what will happen, and I, I'm grateful that no one is really asking me because I, the only thing I'm confident of is that I would come up with some version of the wrong answer. But I do know that the right answer will involve love. And I think any kind of tragedy or violent act or anything going so horribly wrong like this, when you look at the, the story and whatever happened, however this ended up happening, the big picture framework for me is always there was there was some absence of love or a perceived absence of love. Um, and it's easy to feel that way, uh, you know, when, when tragedy hits, when, when we experience losses. But um, even when you're feeling like no one's showing up for you or like you're not sure how to go on, you can look for that love in your own heart and you can look for the love you had for a vision of the world that had you. Uh, living to your highest potential and the love you had for yourself to continue for, to strive for that thing or the love you had for your family to strive for a, a greater a greater vision and a greater set of values beyond uh, just your personal concerns. And there's always love in those pictures, even when you fall short of the mark. Uh, the metric is really... Um, you know, what what did I love? or not the metric, but the way to get back to the middle to re to recenter yourself is to say, what did I love about this project that led me to try so hard that this failure hurts so much? What did I love so so much that that I don't feel like I can go on? Because that is the source of what's gonna help you go on. And that's love showing up for the losses. So thanks for joining us this week, folks. We'll be back next week. Um, stay safe out there hug your loved ones. We'll see you next week on another Success Movie Rewind. Thanks for stopping by. That's a wrap. If you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to
2: success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.